Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Welcome to my official author podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry, and today I want to talk with you about choice or independent reading in the K-12 school setting. All right, guys, I have been trying to do this podcast for two days, and every time I get on, something's happening. I'm getting interrupted. I'm having phone calls. And I'm like, okay, so let me just delete that one, delete that one. <laughs> so it's early morning. I'm by my house, myself in the house. And so I'm actually thinking I'm going to be able to complete this podcast. Now, this is specifically geared to all of my listeners out there who are writing for K-12 audiences. You know that I've already challenged you in the past to begin scheduling book tours and contacting schools. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, just um, go down and look for the different episodes because I really want you connecting with schools. I really want you reaching out to educators. And with you doing that, I want to give you the tools that you need to be able to speak the language. So that way, when you're talking with teachers, talking with students, a media specialist, that you're able to bring up some very, you know, useful points on how your books could be utilized in the school setting. So today I really want us to focus on independent reading times in schools. So maybe you can remember Drop Everything and Read back in the day um, they would have even scheduled times at elementary schools that I used to work for that everybody in the school at a certain time just dropped everything and they grabbed books. Now, when I was an elementary school teacher, we had our independent reading time also built into our classroom. So not only were, you know, were my students exposed to the drop everything and read at a different time of the day when they weren't in my room, but while they were in my room, they knew that they were picking a book, and we were heavily involved in reading. It was um, a program that they would get online. It's called Accelerated Reader. I don't know if elementary school students are still doing that, but there used to be a STAR program that it would help chart their reading levels to appropriately connect them with Lexile-level books that could meet their learning needs at the time. We would then go in and look for those books. They would all have these spines on the side that would tell reading levels. And they would check out their books within these ranges. And of course, I would do challenge ranges for my students. And we would read. And then they would go and take accelerated reader tests. We also did the Book It program for Pizza Hut, which I love that they still do have Book It. So you can investigate that for homeschool organizations as well as public school teachers because they may not be aware of the Book It program. 
So um, the students would receive um, free pizzas. I had a local Pizza Hut that actually worked with me that would allow for me to go and turn in their um, book it certificates and the logs, and then they would let me bring them back and we would have a pizza party at school. So that worked out really great for me because that was a great incentive. So independent reading has been around for ages, especially for teachers who see the value in reading independently and allowing students to choose their own books. There are also many teachers that have these book logs that they will send home with their students that they will request their parents to monitor their reading at home and maybe time them for 20 minutes a night and um, check them in as like a homework assignment. So I do know that there are um, teachers that are still doing that, which I applaud the teachers for doing that. So there there are studies out there that talk about the importance of silent sustained reading. You can go out and look for this, you know, these terminology um, catchphrases that are in our jargon box for teachers. Um, so silent sustained reading is now the buzzword that we used to use for drop everything and read. And we also um, utilize this because we know that if students are reading, especially in books that are stretching them, their vocabulary is going to improve. So there's a chart that we actually blew up and put in our classrooms at my previous school. My other partner that I love, um, she was my English in my English PLT, or my professional learning team. You can also use the word professional learning community, PLC. But in my PLT, she was my PLT leader, and she gave us this image, and I want to read it to you because it gives a scenario, like why can't I skip 20 minutes of reading tonight? Because she would also assign the additional reading at home. So student A reads 20 minutes each day. They can learn up to one million eight hundred thousand words well if student b only reads five minutes a day that drastically reduces to approximately two hundred eighty two thousand words and if they read one minute a day only eight thousand words a year so we of course want to advance our students vocabulary that in you know turn plays right into their writing skills so reading independently, there's research to back this up as how not only will it increase fluency, comprehension, um, but it will also definitely work with the vocabulary development. So in my class, for example, with silent sustained reading, my students at the very beginning of class for the first 15 minutes, and I do set a timer on my phone, I used to set a timer on the screen on like a YouTube timer. But the problem with that is, is now I'm in the public library in my classroom. So we're like all over the place. I allow my students to go to the couches, to the chairs, find comfortable spots. They're at tables. They're down the rows. So I have to have that on my phone. So that way I can kind of monitor it, kind of wave the phone at them and they know that the timer has rang. But they're reading for 15 minutes. 
And I'm encouraging them as well to, you know, start books, keep hold of those books, find books that interest you in different genres. But also, you know, if you just cannot connect to the book, do not take and fake read or ghost read for 15 minutes. We do not want to do that. We want to really engage in books. So I'm asking them to drop those books. Because we're in the library, it's really easy for them to pick another title off the shelf, especially how our shelves are coded. In the YA section, it's lovely. Like horror is written on the side. Fantasy is written on the side. I just adore those labels that the library has done to really help kids zone in on the genre choices. So you hear how people are using this. You hear why we're using it. We also give students time to talk about their books. So when a student finishes a book, you know, they'll tell everybody in the class, you need to read this book, here's why, without giving spoiler alerts. I do not require book reports. Um, I know you may say, what? Why don't you make them do that? Because I would rather just them discuss the book and then go pick a new book. Because in the real world of reading, when is the last time that I've done a book report? Yes, I've done a book review, and I do encourage my students to have Goodreads accounts, so that way they can leave reviews for authors. But I don't require them to do these preset posters, movie posters, book reports, because I just talk to people about books I love. For example, I'll see Jody down the hallway, and I'll say, Jody, what book would you recommend for me? He's not going to pull out a book report and say, oh, I'm carrying around this book report. Here you go. Read it. I want it to be an authentic discussion. <laughs> I want them to him to be able to say, you know what? I just read The Right. Jennifer, you will love it. And of course, I went running that Christmas. I even remember it was right before Christmas break. Grabbed The Right because I had remembered watching the movie, didn't know there was a book, and loved that book. And so, you know, when we're engaged in conversations about books, I find that that to be the greatest value and the great, you know, the greatest transferability, you know, the general, you know, to be able to generally do that in the world instead of just rolling out your movie poster from your back pocket. But now I do applaud the creativity that I see that students are doing with this. So I'm not saying that those are just completely wrong. It's just I don't choose to do those. I really, I really like looking at the movie posters that the kids make across, around the school. And I think it's very creative. I took pictures of them the other day, in fact. So when you're going out to schools, some of the questions that you could talk with students about in the middle of your presentation is, so how many of you, you know, are involved in silent sustained reading or you have independent reading in your classes then you can get a show of hands and then you can say you know if you have a book in your book bag right now hold it up let me see you know these are some questions that you could use in your talk you could also ask them hey what is the last book that you've read what is a book you would recommend for me and then actually write the book down in front of them or put it in your notes section of your phone to show that you love to hear what is currently going around in schools today, what students are enjoying. That can help you build your base up of books. Also, when you're talking to teachers, now we need to talk about budget because as authors, one, I can't expect a school to buy Sweet Potato Jones and buy 30 copies for a classroom set. One, many schools dictate 
what their teachers are reading at grade level. So for, for me to unrealistically go in demanding that this teacher that I'm talking with buy 30 copies of my book, no, that's not happening. <laughs> um, you can donate books to classes, which would be amazing. But I would suggest instead of donating whole classroom sets in case teachers are strictly tied to curriculum demands, to consider literature circles. So literature circles are widely used in schools. So here's another thing that you could Google. Think about the adult book clubs, book clubs in libraries. Those are also ways that you can get in if you're not a K-12 person um, and you want to create a book club kit. Now, the library in Wake County, they have, you can go online, you can look at their book club media kit. They actually have K-12 and adult fiction book clubs that they have packaged together that book clubs can check out that actually have discussion questions that go along with the books and a set of the books that you can get all together and you can share along with the book club. So that's kind of the same thing that I'm talking to you now about literature circles. So imagine a classroom setting. You have a classroom of 30. Kids will group themselves up into groups of six or groups of five or they'll They'll have like five choices of books, you know, set up on tables and, and they'll do speed dating with the books and they'll go and they'll decide, well, which group do I want to be a part of because I am more interested in reading, you know, this book. So maybe your book could be considered as a part of a literature circle. So think about silent sustained reading, which just means that your book would be on a classroom library shelf. And so that could be a great entry point for you is just getting your book in a classroom library shelf, getting the school library. So a school library can put a binding on your, like a binding code on your book where students could check that out. You can get special permission for the, from the media specialist. They have to go through paperwork, but they could possibly get your book in the just that localized school library so that way students could check those out for independent reading or nighttime reading or family reading or book report reading. Or you could then, you know, donate the book to the library. Maybe they could just put it on a shelf. You could also have, you know, an entry point with the literature circles, like I said. So think about ways that you could talk with schools about how they could use your book. And don't always think it's going to be in a classroom set because, one, the budget has to be allowed for that. And, two, many school districts are going to approved set list for the entire county. So that's what my school district is doing. So I know there's different school district protocols across the, the United States, but just do not be surprised that there are set mandated books that have already been vetted and approved. So then your book could be a teacher read aloud. Your book could be used for teacher modeling of an excerpt. So that's another entry point that you could bring up with teachers. Let's say that you've written a novel and you know that there could be a particular area in your book that could really address a standard, a North Carolina standard or a, a common core standard. You can pull those up at your on the websites for your Department of Public Instruction for each state. 
So I would suggest that you become familiar with that language and that terminology in the state. Because when you are pitching to go into schools, you could talk about, well, your book relates to possibly a POV, a point of view. And you could find that standard. You could actually put that into maybe the bottom of your email, like my book's my book series connects to characterization, theme, point of view, uh, mystery, um, tension and suspense, drawing inferences, uh, citing evidence. So it's just according to what your book is doing. And I'm calling out North Carolina standards for high school right now. Um, so you can go in there and you can find those. Um, I had to memorize my standards, which I'm extremely um, excited to to know that I did that because by me memorizing those standards, when I was writing Sweet Potato Jones and editing Sweet Potato Jones, I could then identify within the book, man, you know, a teacher could really use this as a model lesson. And you could create a model lesson for a teacher. You could say, like, let's say you've got a novel, and there's a suspenseful page turner there, and you're using a lot of suspenseful elements, vocabulary, sounds, um, and you say, you know what, I've actually created this lesson where you could just show the excerpt, just this page, and then you could break apart the author's use of word choice. You know, why did I choose the words that I did? How does it set the scene? What type of feelings does it evoke? And then you could, you know, maybe do some questions along with that. And as the teacher is modeling, you've got 25 or 30 kids right there as your audience who are watching this piece. And then that might be the hook in to where they would then want to pick up your book for silent, sustained reading or independent reading. Or they may go out and purchase the book themselves. Or they may, the next time they're at Barnes & Noble, you know, they might have taken a picture of your book um, that the teacher used as a model, or even if you gave them the excerpt with the image and the link to Amazon, they may go on Amazon later. You know, students can surprise you on what they'll purchase themselves or what they'll get their parents, their parents to buy them a book. Um, parents will be like, oh, yeah, I'll buy you a book. <laughs> so think about entry points with your audience, and that could be a great way to spark their interest, and then it could turn into an independent reading assignment. So those are just some tips that I have for you today. Just really like make a list of them so that way when you're composing emails for media specialists, for literacy coaches, for teachers, for you know administration, if you're trying to go straight to an assistant principal or principal, go to an assistant principal that might be over academics and instruction. And that could possibly be seen on the websites as well. If they, if that's not noted, try to find the literacy coach or support specialist in your school, media specialist, and maybe your English department chairs, um, and copy all of them in an email. Set yourself up a form letter, and when you're dropping some of this jargon in there, say, you know, my book could be, you know, a great you know, addition to your classroom library for independent reading time or silent sustained reading or literature circles or for teacher modeling 
and I can help provide you with the resources or a page excerpt that you could model a lesson on mystery, tension, and suspense, since I kind of gave you that one earlier. Um, and that's what I love to write, so um, that's just on my brain right now. So just think of those as some key tips. And if you don't want to go that in, like that much into an email, that could be talked about in a phone call. So like, so like jot down some notes that you could have beside you as a reminder. So that way when you're talking to someone and you're pitching that you would love to come out to schools, also donate a book when you're there. Okay, so this is from my friend Pooja. Pooja felt led by the Spirit on the day she came out to do a talk at my school to bring a book with her. And it wasn't even her book. It was a book that she recommended in her talk. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened, okay? And I'm not naming any names here. <laughs> but we have a student. Now, I'm going to say he was silly. Okay, he's a silly student, but he has matured a lot. I went to his teachers after this talk, not only his current teacher, but teachers that had taught him in ninth and 10th grade to just share with them the story so they could see his maturity level and his interest in reading. And I thank those English teachers for instilling that love of reading in him. Um, so I have an amazing 11th grade English teacher that I work with that she allows not only book choice in her room, but when students have to do a, a research paper, the students can choose a topic of interest and it has to be based with they have to read a book and then they have to do a research paper stemming from just, the, you know, that book that they chose. And I, I just love it. I love it. So um, this student in her class was being silly, of course, and he volunteered and he was goofing around being his being a silly self during the, the presentation. But then after the the present well the presentation was almost over and Pooja held up a book that she was like and I would love to donate this book you know to Dr. Lowry um she can you know use it as she sees fit um so I knew right away I was going to put it in my office on my bookshelf and I was going to send a follow-up email to all of the teachers that came and say I have this book available if anybody has a student interested or if as a staff member you would like to check the book out feel free to come by my office so I already knew, I knew automatically. I'm like, wow, that was so generous of her to donate this book. Because I've I had tons of speakers at my school, and not one person has ever donated any any books except the professor, an English professor, donated college a uh, college textbook to my English teachers. I'll take that back. I did have one other person. So this kid, the one that I've described to you who was very emotionally um, immature, his earlier grades, um, he came up to Pooja at the end, and he asked to take a picture of the book. Can I take a picture of that book? She said, sure. So she, took, he, she held it up to him, and he took a picture, and I noticed what he was doing. So I kind of, you know, of course me, I'm a talker, so I, I went up to, to them, and I'm like, hey, baby, what's up? You, you wanted this book? He was like, and he told me why. He was going to be doing his research paper. He was very interested in the topic of nutrition and health, and he really wanted to read this book if Pooja recommended it. So first I could tell that he trusted the speaker. He knew that she was an expert. He knew that her recommendation would be on point, which I loved. And then he um, showed that extreme interest by staying after. He was the, the, the kid that stayed after 
to, to investigate the, the topic further and you want to take a picture. So I let him borrow the book, of course. You know me. I'm passing the book straight to him, and he's all excited. Can I really keep it? Can I really keep it this semester? For real? For real? He's so happy. So, of course, he can keep it. So if I get that book back, I get the book back. You know, that's one thing. Um, I read something one time about what the Gideons said, like if a Bible is stolen, if that's what you want to call it, from a hotel um nightstand then the Gideons have done their job because that means that somebody has taken that book and they're going to be hopefully reading that book for the rest of their lives and helping you know bring people closer to Christ um I heard one person say that in a speech that I went to to hear the Gideons talk and um for me that's that's how I feel about a book when they stole Nixia if I want to say stole if they took Nixia uh, from my shelves, well, then that just means that Scott Rankin's got more readers, and then maybe they'll pass those books along to other people. And I'm not saying stealing is a good thing, but I'm saying if, if kids borrow books and they don't ever return them, then that means that they're attached to those books. Um, so with him getting that book, you know, I said, man, I'm going to start doing that. So I was taking author notes as I'm on the other side of my job. So when you go out to schools, I gave you a very long story there, but when you go out to schools, donate books. And even if it's not books like that you have ready to print yet, maybe if you have e-books, give them e-book, e-gift certificates. Um, take books that inspired you as a kid. So let's say that you absolutely loved Roald Dahl growing up. Then maybe you take a collection and you do a contest and you give out a collection of books or a series of books. Um, that way you're showing that you're not just there to promote yourself. You're there to promote the love of reading. And you maybe want to share an author that has inspired you and pass along those books. And so the next time you're out at thrift stores, the next time you're out at used bookstores, and you're catching books, think about how you could give books away. Maybe you want to take a book that you read growing up, and maybe you want to annotate in that book, write in that book, so that way when the person does get it, you can say you have an annotated copy of this book, one that you got from a thrift store. Um, I think that would make it even more special. So I'm, I'm taking notes here, people. i got to write this down, too. So I think teachers would really look to that as endearing points of what you've brought to the table for them and how you can help inspire your, you know, the students that you're talking to just to read. <laughs> so that's about independent reading, ways that you could talk with teachers and um, media specialists or literacy coaches in schools, and how you can, you know, shape your talk with kids just to inspire them to read and to write authentically with purpose and with passion. All right, you guys have a blessed one. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.